There's a great app. It's called Duolingo. Oh shit, really? Something like yeah. that exists? Yeah, you can learn like a ton of languages. It's how I've been learning Irish and practicing my Spanish before I go back to Spain. Wow. I never uh, knew such a thing could be real. And uh you can like make <laughs> a club and like get points and stars and then change your outfits. This podcast is brought to you by Duolingo. It's great. Oh, that's another thing I was thinking about. I don't know if this will make it into the episode, but... Uh, I like that. <laughs> I can't tell if you're ignoring them being sarcastic or if you're just so excited about Duolingo. I'm, I'm both. <laughs> I can't pick one or the other, so I'm just going with the enthusiastic, Paul, because that's just how I feel. I think this is the happiest you've been in all of the recordings of this podcast is talking about Duolink. <laughs> no, that can't be right. It's probably right. As I think about all the things we've talked about, we don't really talk about happy things on the podcast. Are you still there? I am. <laughs> I was just looking into the void trying to think about something happy to say. <laughs> And then, like, rain started hitting the windows. I can look out. It's all gray. It's windy. Sounds like Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> We're essentially in the same place, but yours has more culture. I mean, in Indiana is pretty similar to Ireland. I've heard, you know, multiple people in Europe call Ireland the Indiana of Europe. That's incredible. Lots of white people, some hills. Uh, you probably have a hard time understanding some of the white people, too. Mm-hmm. Lots of rural folk. Um, folk? They say it in a different way, but it applies to both. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Happiness. Happiness. Oh, yeah. What what would you say your favorite job has ever been? Favorite job? Or like a job that you enjoyed? You know, I think the job that made me happiest, because I've not had, like I've had a ton of jobs, but not many have been great. Mm-hmm. But I think the happiest I've ever been as a job is when I was in high school, I used to ref like the five and six year old soccer games and no, by ref buddy. for five and six year olds it's essentially like don't let them hurt each other explain the rules when they ask did you have a whistle yeah i mean i had to use the whistle to be like don't punch that kid <laughs> <laughs> or like the rules are really strict like no slide tackles for kids that young no bicycle kicks 
Because every once in a while, you'd have a kid who had, like, parents who were like, you're going to be a star, which, no, they're not. Mm -hmm. But they would be trying to do, like, really aggressive shit that they saw in, like, their dad's, like, Premier League DVR episodes. (laughs) And I'd have to be like, you're five. And most of the kids out here are, like, waving at their parents and doing cartwheels. That was the most annoying part of it, but it was also fun, too, because it was, like, everybody's having fun for the most part. They were too young for the parents to be that, like, annoying. Mm -hmm. They'd always, like, clap when someone got a goal, even if it wasn't their team. It was nice. I have a flashback, as you've been talking about this, of when I, my parents made me play Park District Soccer for, like, 13 years of my life just as a way for me not to be at home, you know. But when I was like six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, I would just sit on the soccer field. I, I didn't even play. I would just pick at the grass because I just didn't care. Yeah. And I remember just like kids running by me with a ball. And I was just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I played soccer for years. Mm-hmm. I almost went to college and played soccer instead of went to going to UMish. Oh, I did not know that. Well, I'm not like a sad character who's like, let me tell you about all my accomplishments in high school all the time. Did you have a Letterman jacket? I did indeed. Do you still have it? Mm, my parents have it. They keep trying to give it to me and I'm like, nah. I think you have to wear that to AWP. My, well, I didn't even really want it. My parents bought it for me one year for Christmas. And I was a little sad because I wanted a record player instead. (laughs) And they'd spent like all this money on like a Letterman jacket. And then got annoyed with me because I cared so little about it. And never like actually put my letters that I got on it. Right. So I had, like, letters for, like, art stuff and soccer and crap like that. It just bugged them so much that I would never, like, take the time to get it put on. My mom, she'd just be like, you, you're varsity in so many things. Don't you have pride in that? And I really didn't. I did not. You anyway. should do it now. <laughs> what? And then you should put all those letters on the jacket now and then go home and wear it to like Thanksgiving or like Christmas and see, <laughs> be like, Mom, looking back, I'm really proud of these achievements. Looking back, this is the best time of my life <laughs> ever. I could even dig out the medals I got for being in band, sew those on. I could find all of my high school medals, put those oh on, gosh. so I look like a high school general. Oh shit, I could be so fucking cool. <laughs> I can honestly say I never earned one medal for anything in high school. Not even, were you like in band? I don't know. No, I wasn't in anything. Uh, I was on the high school wrestling team for, like, two years. 
How is that? I can't even. I can't even picture that, Paul. I know. Uh, I did it because all my friends were doing it. So you signed up to get your ass beat every Saturday morning. It was every day. I remember having to wake up at like 6 a.m. to get to the gym by 7 to like run a mile every morning to make weight to like get manhandled by another dude on a sweaty mat who had Mm -hmm. cauliflower ear Mm -hmm. and then shower with a bunch of dudes and eat pasta and that's about it good times so what was your best job best job I honestly think my well best job slash favorite job was working at the Lily in the at Indiana that was a really good job yeah, I'm so thankful I, I had that opportunity, you know, getting to be a conservation uh, assistant, getting to, you know, hold all the manuscripts of like Vonnegut and uh, Virginia Woolf, holding like Oscars. And I don't know, it's just like such a cool job in terms of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But just like, those items and stuff were so cool and like something I didn't even really knew know existed you know as a job to get to like repair um old Italian music manuscripts from like the 1600s which is crazy Uh, it sounds a little bit like you learn more from that job than you learned when you were like actually in classes definitely that's nice, though. I I feel like so many jobs don't want you to learn things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the last time I've had a job where I actually... Well, that's not true. I mean, I was teaching last year, and it's really dumb to be like, the kids taught me more than I ever taught them. But, I mean, it was teaching me things. It was really interesting to hear other people talk and think of new ways about the stories I was teaching that I didn't even consider. I mean, I didn't always agree with them, but it was just interesting to hear how different people are. I actually really liked teaching. I'm not super gung-ho, like, gotta find a way to get in the institution again and teach. Mm -hmm. But especially... Last year, I really liked the majority of my students a lot. Do you think it's because, like, we had, like, more freedom with our own workshops and everything? Not really. I mean, when I was getting my MA, one of my favorite classes I've ever taught was a composition course. Mm -hmm. And it was just, like, a great group of kids. It was, like, one of those rare ones where it wasn't, like everybody's getting A's and that's why it's so great it was just like a group of people who somehow respected each other really quickly and actually spoke to each other Mm -hmm. 
I like the freedom of getting to choose and design a course, but it's like the students who make or break it. It really is in, and I think it's also, I mean, it's not all the students. It was also a little bit on my attitude and I, I did decide to come to teaching in a really like trying to find the balance between being like the person in charge and also trying to be a person who would like let them actually build relationships with each other. Mm -hmm. Which is hard to do and sometimes I feel like I completely failed at that. But for the most part, the courses that I really like think back and that I really enjoyed going to and teaching were the ones where the students spoke to each other, not just me. Yeah, I mean it creates a different like a a more hospitable environment for I don't know, their their ideas and stories and, you know, their writing to exist. As opposed to like I guess I'm just thinking about my workshop experiences and the students where you know in a lot of the 103 classes or the the intro classes where we taught under someone essentially um they looked for me to lecture at them as opposed to like it being like a just a a creative space for ideas to exist if that makes sense yeah I you know the thing that I think is also a trouble between like teaching a first year course and teaching a second or third year is that you also like some of them come from like fancy high schools or innovative ones or art schools but most of them come from like a public school where like maybe you'll get in the circle occasionally to talk about a book but I think for some of them it just makes them think that you're not doing their job if you're not lecturing hardcore and their attitude is like what are you even doing you're not teaching yeah there is that sort of expectation where they just want to be talked at Mm -hmm. as opposed to be like I don't know, at least most of my college experience was like uh, conversations in the room, discussion based, you know, thinking out loud as opposed to uh, you're here for 50 minutes, I'm going to talk at you, here's what your homework is, get out of here, bye. Don't you ever talk to me in this classroom. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? fucking dare you think that you have a right to speak I think my the reason why I don't say teaching is number one it's, okay so I was I was in a building after I finished working yesterday and I heard these bros talking about what they deserve to get and one of them was really mad like he failed an exam but he was like I did so much work this is bullshit it was like hearing it all again that I deserve this because I did some things rather than the 
I failed an exam. Maybe I don't understand this. Maybe blah, blah, blah. And it was just like thinking about the ass ache of meeting with a student who needs that A minus to get into business school or like the rude young man who, I don't know, I feel like I told you about having a deal with stuff like this. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, it just makes it so that, like, when I think about my best job, I think really fondly of, like, happiness all around me, not mm-hmm. opening my email and being like, ah, I'm going to kill you, but not really because I probably shouldn't joke about that with school. Yeah. I mean, I think there is also, I, I wouldn't say this is exclusive to indiana in any means but like the the sort of entitlement that comes with uh people taking required arts and humanities classes like you know you go online and you read the rate my professors or whatever the classes and they're like well if you want an easy class or an easy a take intro to creative writing because they'll give you a's no matter what and so they come in with the expectation of having to do minimal work or no work and then are pissed because they have to but I also just think that's I'm like I remember being in that place as well Mm -hmm. sort of with having to take science classes or like calculus or whatever like oh when am I going to need this isn't isn't anything I want to do so maybe it's just like a human condition thing yeah but did you expect to get an A in calculus Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah, I came to those classes being pissed off because I knew that I was going to have to do, like, most of my brain work in those classes. And I would still probably, at best, get a B. And I was just like, oh, I could be brighter. (laughs) I think the highest I ever got was a C. And I think I justified it to, like, my parents, I was like, C is for calculus. And then I just <laughs> walked away. <laughs> like, did you try? Did you try, Paul? And I was like, I tried. I tried a lot. And then I was like, I'm going to go out now. Bye. Love you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, he tried. It's fine. <laughs> what was the worst job you've ever had? Uh, hmm. You know, I want to say it's Target, but I also have, like, so much nostalgia. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's been so long since I've worked there, almost, like, six, seven years, pretty much, since I've worked at Target. And I worked there for almost seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like my hatred, you know, time heals all wounds, has sort of backed off of it. But I still, this is something I've noticed even in my time in Ireland, is I still wear red and khaki all the time. Like, I can't get away from it. You do wear khaki and red a lot. It's like, it it just, I don't know what happened. It's just, like, part of my DNA now. Um, Where, I guess that's just my aesthetic. You're always going to work. (laughs) 
that's that's true in so many ways. I'm, I want to play a different game for us right now as opposed to uh, best and worst. Well, you are going to lead me to a question. Okay. I, I was wondering, like, do you think of writing as work? I do. It may not be like a, a nine to five kind of work uh, for myself. I think, you know, I, I have to, there's like rituals involved. You know, I have to have my coffee. I set aside like two hours in the morning, like three days a week where I can sit down and write regardless of whether it's good or bad writing. I just need to have that sort of habit stuck in order to to feel like I'm a writer I suppose mm-hmm. um, because I think even though I probably toss at least 50% of whatever that turns out to be um, it's just keeping that uh, writing muscle going mm-hmm. or what have you um, but I, but I think you know so much and so much of what we do is like a or the kind of work I feel like I'm doing is more like a, an emotional sort of work that at least in my work now where I'm um, grappling with subject material that I'm haven't been comfortable with before, so it is like uh, trying to feel trying to feel more comfortable about being vulnerable on the page in a way that I haven't been before. You know, Mm -hmm. I've talked to you a bit about uh, the nonfiction sort of stuff I've been working on. But so that sort of emotional work, I think is definitely uh, a writer's work, at least for me. Yeah. What about you? I, I don't know if it's work to me. And I, some of it is because I've had really shitty jobs, like really bad. But I think part of it is it just doesn't, most of the time it doesn't feel like work. It feels like, this isn't to say that everything I write is gold or that I'm never not blocked or frustrated, but still Mm -hmm. it's just the act of writing doesn't, it doesn't feel like work to me. It feels more like something stabilizing. It brings me a lot of pleasure to not be in the world as it is. Do you think maybe it's like, because we need to sort of define work a little bit more as in in terms of like, are we talking about work in terms of earning a living for it or in terms of just like a process or... Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, we are sort of abstractly. Yeah, I think, and I think, and I mean, I've even talked about like learning to love the work of it. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, the work of writing, it is just, it's either being able to like think out a new story or write this story or revise it. And it's also reading and thinking about writing. I do struggle way more with the more job parts of it. Like, I get 
much more frustrated and grumpy, even though I am getting paid now for some of the things I write. And it's awesome. But I don't really like the business side of it. I don't like having to be like, you made me sign a contract over $20. Give me my $20. (laughs) (laughs) Or having to follow up or making sure I've got my taxes together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I like we've talked a little bit about this not in podcast space where I've been frustrated lately with writing in to be really straightforward about it for people who are not Paul. It's I'm working on a final revision of a novel and I'm working with my agent this time on like the final parts before she takes out the cell and I mean all of that is like it's like the dream it's what you want to sell your novel and you want an agent who likes it enough to edit and talk to you about it and be really enthusiastic but I think my biggest hang-up is it it's not pleasurable because it it's work now we're talking business I'm thinking about comparative titles I'm thinking less about the story or my imagination, but making sure like all these things are here so that I'm not just writing for myself. And I think maybe Mm. that's the thing. I write so much for myself at times and I never really realized it until going through this process. I've never been that self-conscious, not for a long time. Do you think part of it has to do with how much of like, the result of this, like all the work you've put into it and like the sort of labor of it not being for yourself uh, is so much out out of your hands. Like you don't have control over it. I think that's part of it. And I mean, it's really... I think one of the big differences between going to publish a short story in a novel, and this is for me, not for anybody else, but there's still like this level of remove where I can basically say, you know, I spent, I don't even really try to quantify the amount of time I spend on a short story. I really think like, oh, this was three years worth of work. People better recognize it, better get in some more grades. Like, my process seems to be, I've written this, I like it, I've cleaned it up, and now I'm going to send it out. And if someone likes it and reads it, great. That's awesome. But I've, I, I don't have any big expectations for it. It's a short story. I understand the market. And if a few people really like it and tell me, that's awesome. You know, someone will give me 50 bucks, even better. Cool. I'll put that money in my savings account so I can keep paying for my website or some crap like that. (laughs) But with the novel, I think part of it is like I started it three years ago. I have not written a new short story at all in 2017. And 
like I've been solicited by some like nice magazines and I've basically had to be like I really can't do this right now and it I don't know I think it's more maybe that I'm seeing that I'm losing something I really like doing and that's what makes it also feel like I hope something comes out of all of this mm -hmm. I was just watching tennis highlights <laughs> <laughs> that's my life now huh You've changed so much. Almond farming, tennis. Just living my best, you know, bougie life. Next week I'm going to the Hamptons with my step family. Mm. Next weekend I'm cooking up well, I'm not even gonna do it. I was about <laughs> to start quoting from the Migos song. Oh. Oh man. I saw this chick in like a fugue state. She was writing a paper uh -huh. and she was watching the video for Bad and Bougie on YouTube and she just kept putting it on repeat over and over and over and over. It was incredible. That's you got to be in a bad place to do that. I don't know. She seemed happy. Like, she had found the song that was inspiring her shit. And she was just going for it. <laughs> That's good. So she is, like, bad in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> she's in the place she needs to be that's I wish I knew that for myself same but here we are in the, <laughs> in the interwebs in the digital realm two sad voices coming through someone's headphones while they're like walking sitting on a bus they were coming through someone's car speakers and they're like, oh my God. Maybe you're at the gym on the Stairmaster and you're like, God. Who, wait, wait, wait. You think someone's actually listening to this crap while exercising? It's someone who just stumbled upon this podcast and they're like, you know what? I hate my life. Like, let's just make this worse. I'm going <laughs> to listen to <laughs> I'm gonna listen to people like talk cows. about writing <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I want to do with my life. Oh my god! Hey, if you're listening to this while exercising, I mean, good for one, good. You're gonna live forever. You're exercising, but two, how are you doing this? How? I listen to this podcast and all I want to do is take like an Ambien and be like, oh God. <laughs> I want to take an Ambien and then I want to sleep cook a pot of chili and I want to wake up because I've eaten half the pot of chili and I'm like, what? <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, uh, your new best friends is sponsored by Velveeta Cheese. Please continue to eat cheese.
That's my that's my copy for Velveeta. You're the best copywriter I've ever met. <laughs> I did write one for Dyson Vacuums the other week. I don't know if you saw it. I, I did not see it. Read it to me. Oh, let me let me find it here real quick. Okay. Are you ready? I'm dying. You're dying? To hear this. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure, you don't need chocolate. You don't even need air to breathe. Life sucks as is. Let us help it suck a little more. Buy a Dyson today. I have never wanted to buy a vacuum cleaner as much as I want to buy one at this moment. <laughs> They're really appealing to me. I mean, Dysons are nice. They are. Have you seen the Dyson Air Blades? They get all your crap up off the carpet. Dyson, uh, bringing you your new best friends in adventure and depression. Oh my gosh, if we could get Dyson to sponsor this podcast. Oh my god, if we could get Dyson to sponsor our lives. Right. Okay, side question related to work. As a writer, if you could be sponsored or endorsed by one brand slash whatever, what would you pick? <laughs> I'd pick Campbell's Soup. I just like their labels still. They're classic. And I'm kind of imagining I'll be dressing up like a NASCAR like driver. Uh -huh. So I'll be wearing a sick like Campbell's Soup themed soup while I write. Do you think you could, I, I'm imagining this is it's Campbell's alphabet soup and there's a picture of you on the cover of it and like, uh, hmm, something where <laughs> the words, <laughs> I eat words and they come out of me. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> This is also, There's a better way to put it. There yeah, is, that's but the we'll, we'll work that's what I can do them at this moment. <laughs> I also work a lot. I oh, you probably don't see these commercials because you're in Ireland. But I also look a lot like a woman who's in like the Marina birth control commercials right now. Okay. And she has like these two kids. And they're like always stunting on her through this commercial. And then it's basically just like, I can't handle another kid. And they show like her husband and he's just like reading the paper, eating like an insanely big bowl of fucking jelly beans and like living his life and be like, hey, hey, hey. Well, Megan in the commercial is like, oh my God, stop doing this. I hate you. Anyway, I could also be brought to you by Marina Birth Control. I already got an in there, apparently. I think in both of these commercials, though, you need to be wearing, like, an NFL jersey. How do you know you've arrived if not by wearing an NFL jersey at all times? <laughs> I want to see you do your AWP readings in, like, a Detroit Lions jersey. Oh. Like a throwback Barry Sanders. Oh, yes. Sure. I'd do that. That'd be good. I'd still probably rather want to wear like an old Isaiah Thomas jersey from Go NBA instead. But if I have to do NFL, fine. Barry Sanders. 
Isaiah Thomas as in old Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Thomas. No, my uncle Isaiah Thomas. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, Isaiah Thomas. There's a new Isaiah Thomas. Oh, plays yeah. For the Boston Celtics. That's oh. the only. Everything reason. old is new, everything new is old. I feel like that's the perfect copy for Velveeta cheese. Pitching it. All right, who's sponsoring you? Uh, I mean, I have two dream sponsors. Okay. One of them, I think you know, mm -hmm. is Calvin Klein. Yeah. No one wants to pick up those poems. That's okay, though. I would uh, love to buy, like, Eternity by Calvin Klein and then flip yeah. it over and print it right on the bottle as a poem by you. Thank you. That's my dream. I'm convinced you can you can sell anything as Calvin Klein though. Like all you have to do is like kind of whisper it. You'd be like, Whale Vomit by Calvin Klein. And then it's like gold. Yeah. The um, that was too soft. I couldn't hear you. That was the point. I didn't want everybody to hear that. <laughs> But you still know I was selling. Oh, shit. That's good. Uh, but the other sponsor slash endorsement I would want uh, is Gatorade. Um, I could have guessed both. Although I could have also put like Foot Locker in instead of Gatorade. Right. And that I'll get to that in a second. Because that was the, the question I was going to ask you earlier. But uh, Gatorade, I'm, I'm, you know, Gatorade prides itself in um, endorsing like the best athletes. And mm -hmm. I think there's even commercials where they're like, oh, you know, Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, they're artists on the court. And my question is, why don't they sponsor artists off the court? <laughs> why doesn't Gatorade support all the arts, not just physical? feats of strength but what about artists on the page and you know oh my god dancers and... Harry James Marshall brought to you by Gatorade <laughs> <laughs> am I wrong uh... <laughs> oh man I'm just imagining like David Sedaris, you know, going up to uh, Symphony Orchestra Hall, and he just puts a, a 32 ounce cool blue Gatorade on the podium, turns the label out, and he's like, you know, I'd like to thank the National Endowment of the Arts, uh, Syracuse University for hosting this event, and Gatorade. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Have you ever heard of the band Guitar Wolf? I have not. Well, they're this. I. There are so many adjectives I could use to describe them. But they're a rock band from Japan. The main guy is Guitar Wolf. There's Bass Wolf. Although Bass Wolf died. And then oh, there's geez. one other. And there's like Drum Wolf. <laughs> Guitar Wolf. Anyway, I saw them play in Detroit years ago, before, and it was like a couple weeks before Bass Wolf died. But anyway, 
And how Guitar Wolf starts off their set is he comes out and he's dressed in very tight blue jeans, no shirt, and a leather jacket, huge sunglasses. And he pulls out a beer and he chugs the whole beer and then he throws the can out into the crowd and then just like gets started. And I would like to see David Sedaris do that with a 32 ounce of Gatorade. He comes out, he chugs the whole 32 ounces because he knows he's got to keep it fresh for this crowd. And then he throws his bottle of Gatorade in the crowd and it hits some dude in the head. And then we know it's time to hear some essays. What if instead of chugging it, he just sips on it lightly for like 28 minutes until it's all gone? And then reads for seven minutes. And we watch for the 28 minutes? <laughs> yes. And he, he just like clears his throat every now and again. So he just like sips and he's like... <clears throat> Does he sometimes, like, play Candy Crush on his iPhone? He tweets from his iPhone as he's doing it. He's, like, doing this reading. Does he tweet about how refreshing Gatorade is or how dumb we are for watching him? Perhaps both. Sold. That's art. That's that's what Gatorade should be about. It's about the art. Uh, Yoko Ono, brought to you by Gatorade. I really think this is this is the right thing to do. The more we talk, the more I agree. Okay. So the question I had for you earlier that relates to Foot Locker mm-hmm. is uh, like a, a dream job you have, but probably shouldn't be a dream job, slash is not like a great job, slash probably wouldn't be that great of a job to have, but you'd still want to do it. Oh, I automatically know what it is. Okay. It would be working at a movie theater. Because on the one hand, I you I feel like I've talked about this in this podcast. I know we've talked about it. I just love going to movies. Mm-hmm. And I know that at some movie theaters, they let you have like cheap tickets or you get to go. And sometimes do, like, staff screenings of some movies. But I think it would be awful. Would you be working, like, the concession stand? Any of it. I'd be, I feel like I'd be all trades, except for probably projectionist. Okay. Although I could do the projection. I can't imagine it's, well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't even say like like it being that hard, but it seems like digital format seems to be the thing now. So it's just like going up and pressing a play button. But yeah. With the I digital, know? I mean, I'm sure you have to do tests a lot. And you okay. probably have to know how to change like the bulb and color correction and aspect ratios. Right. But I had a job where I had to do all that stuff already. I could do that. Mm-hmm. We should get, like, jobs for, like, two weeks where you get a movie theater job for two weeks and I'll go get a job at Foot Locker for two weeks. Oh, and then we'll switch our jobs for another two weeks. 
and then we'll come back and report to each other on whether which one was actually our dream. <laughs> I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> we both go to these jobs and we hand them like our CVs with all their publications and shit. <laughs> and they're just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, you've got you've you've got two master's degrees. <laughs> Recently one of the AMC theaters in town had like a manager job open though, Paul, and I thought really seriously about applying for it. I'm imagining you in this like black and red polo with a name tag, like an AMC name tag. It just says Megan on it. Yeah, I would be incredible. Ripping tickets. Someone like drops popcorn all the all over the floor, and you're like so pissed you have to get like the broom and dustpan. Yeah, but I'm also smiling. <laughs> I'm like living the dream, Megan. Living the dream. You look it's fine. John seriously had to talk me out of applying to be the AMC movie manager. It's probably for the best. No, and he was like, you just need to finish your novel right now. You're going to be really mad at yourself. Like, all this reasonable person stuff. But I was like, I could be the manager of the AMC. And you should yell at your novel, like open it on the Word document on your computer and be like, I could have been the manager at AMC, but instead, I'm doing line edits for you. You know what? If my novel doesn't sell, I'm going to print it all out. I'm going to have a big bonfire, and then I'm going to throw it in the bonfire while screaming, I could have been the manager of the AMC. <laughs> and then in the fire will emerge an AMC gift card for $25 out of the flame. Honestly, that would be the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life if that happened and then a magical AMC gift card emerged out of the fire and like flew into my hand. Movie magic, it can happen. Why don't I want to be like a screenwriter or any of like the fancy end? I just want to be the AMC I'm sweeping the popcorn. I'm like, don't talk in that movie. Here's some free tickets, everybody. Oh, George misses shift again. And then George is the kind of guy who says that Mary said she'd take his shift, but they never signed off on it. So he tries to be Mary. Apparently. Yeah, no one can show me the emails where mm -hmm. they or text where they agreed to and this. And Mary's like, I didn't say I'd take George's shift. Yeah, Mary's like 32. She's working part-time so that her kids can go to ballet lessons. George is 17. He's just a dirtbag because he's 17. But I love them all. They're great employees. We're like a little family. I can't tell if this is making me seem like actually a very, very depressed person. <laughs> I think that's been this podcast. I think we should rename it to your new <laughs> depressed friends. Maybe we should call it your new therapy group. Or your best friends are in trouble. 
I don't know. We'll workshop that too. Okay. Okay. Here's a question about work. Do you think Beyonce feels like what she's doing is work? I don't even think I'm qualified to even touch this question. I don't know if either of us are. It might be above our pay grade. We're just wondering, like, when she's out there dancing and, like, kicking the heads off of Jay-Z dummies while singing Don't Hurt Yourself or whatever. She's like, oh, this is work. Or she's like, yeah. I think it's more like, yeah. Because I believe every day that Beyonce wakes up in the morning, just her existence is doing the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. Like, That's the most beautiful <laughs> thing you've ever said. Like she, anytime I see uh, any, any article pop up in any of my news feeds, it's an automatic click. I'm reading it, you know. Um, I don't care if that's hero worship. Like, that's just, I put more faith into that slash care more about that than opening my bank account and making sure I have enough money to survive for the week. Everything you just said sounds perfectly reasonable to me. I do think she thinks doing like the Instagram stuff. But do you think that's actually her or like a PR team? I I think she has to approve everything. I there's no way. Like if you told me Beyonce was taking any of her pictures, I'd be more willing to believe Jay Z takes more pictures that appear on her Instagram hmm. than Beyonce does. I think the only pictures that ever show up on her Instagram that she's actually taken are either of, like, her kid or, like, JC. The rest are all people she hires. But I still feel like she goes through and has to be like, yes, no, type this up. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. I bet that's, like, work. Yeah. You know what's really off-putting? When writers treat social media like work. Like networking? Like when you follow them back and there's like the automated message. Like, thanks, friend. I just like cringed. Yeah, I heard it. Or like when you read... (sighs) I hate when writers do that thing where like... They tweet about tweeting. And they're like, I didn't get enough likes on this tweet. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought this was funny. And they're trying to like have this like persona that they think is funny. Oh no. But it's it's not funny. It's more like ah, ha, 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 you're so funny. Not right. your actual I mean that's funny. my Twitter though. <laughs> Is it? Maybe partial. What is your Twitter? You can. Should I go there? 
Nah, I don't want to go through your okay. Twitter right now. We Twitter. can do that for a different episode where you critique my social media. Yeah, presence. I well, I think we have some really interesting things to say about social media because, I mean, there are so many times where writers are told, like, you need to have some sort of presence, especially if you mm-hmm. write nonfiction. I think it would be an interesting topic for discussion, and it seems to be more and more on the business side uh-huh. of writing. But I don't know. If I was taking social media seriously all the time, I would die. Yeah, I think there's this interesting line that we haven't really addressed in terms of like the business of writing and what the work of writing is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. So to me, on the fiction side, the work of writing but it's also the work that I actually find pleasurable is like the writing itself. It's the researching, it's the thinking, it's the reading other things. It's the getting to be creative and, and especially I'm disgusting and I love revision most of the time. It's where I, I am genuinely like five times the writer I am in revision than mm-hmm. I am in a first draft. And then I think the business of writing is when you have to start thinking about other people. Will this editor like it? What's the right fit? Am I saying something that will make someone mad? Am I representing myself well on social media? Should I answer what these people are saying to me on my website? I don't know how I got in a total stream of consciousness there. Definitely did. But I think it worked. And I mean, I think it's also when you start branching over into editing and crap like that. I mean, that's, I think part of my problem, like I like editing. I love finding a new story, but there hasn't been a time for me where editing doesn't feel like business. And I have yet to mix much pleasure other than when the thing is out there and I've made someone very happy and people are like, oh my God, this person's so talented. I can't wait to see more of their work. Like that all feels good. But I never feel like deep joy when I open Submittable. I try to read as much as possible for the offering with an open mind. But I also know like based on our finances, I can probably publish at most 15 stories a year. And it sucks. I mean... Oh, you mean as an editor. I thought you meant as, like, a submitter. Yeah, I don't even want to get into that part. <laughs> I, I think edit editor work is, like, a but completely I mean, like, different thing we could explore for so long. Ah. Because that is, yeah. like, the kind of work... We should make that a drinking that episode, just, though. ...is, like, completely unnoticed slash no one is thankful for. It's like just straight up work and like the rewards yeah. of that are like crumbs compared to the amount of time and energy that goes into it. Mm-hmm. We don't do it for the crumbs. Just eat you. Or the cookies. But yeah, opening Submittable as a writer too. 
Oh my god. Do you ever just look at all of your rejections? You're like... Yeah, I have like changed huh. mine to just look at active submissions as opposed to all submissions just because like I could scroll for like five pages worth of rejections. I get... Yeah. Same. I mean, I, I think anyone who's trying to put their work out in the world knows, you know, how many rejections you get per year. You know, I'm lucky if I get one per round of batch mm -hmm. I put out. That's just what this game is. So, You know, and it's weird because most of the time, I don't really care that much about rejections mm -hmm. either. Like, it's a bummer, but I'm not like, it's so hard. People tell me no about everything, everywhere, all the time. It's... It, it is what it is. I mean, there are some days where I'm like, ah, I'm really making noises this time. But I have to also say, I've drank three cups of coffee because it's very early my time. And so I'm all hopped up, but because I have to sit still and can't do stuff. All my energy is coming out and making me like a noise machine. <laughs> I, oh my god. I love coffee so much. We're going to have a special extra episode. It will be a three and a half minute episode of it just called uh, Megan Noise Machine. <laughs> it's just going to be a compilation of all the noises you've made in every episode. <laughs> It's also going to be, it's going to end with me like I did in the very first episode. Oh, and that, like, yeah. shut up, doctor. <laughs> Although that didn't make it into the episode, did it? I don't think it did. I think I have like a, a clip John sent me because I asked for it. I was like, John, can I have this? And then I, I was going to make it uh, my text notification. So every time my phone went off, it was just, shut up, doctor. Uh, but I haven't done that yet. I feel a little bad that I just said that, though, because now she's looking at me and she's like, what? I was just being quiet. Similarly, we could do an episode of me where I'm just like, uh. uh That's true. Or we uh, could mix them in and do a cool remix of both. I think if they're, I, I've been trying really hard to not do it, but, you know, I'm just like, uh. Where I, every uh, time I listen to you talk, I'm like, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although mine was starting to turn into vocal fry a little bit. Oh. Do you watch Rick and Morty? This is just completely gone off track. It's called friendship, my dude. You can go <laughs> anywhere when you're friends. Um, I watched a little bit of Rick and Morty, but... It freaks me out because there's a, that mix of family guy in there. Yes. And family guy is so deeply unsettling to me. And also, I feel like I've gone off a little bit on my weird feelings about Dan Harmon. Anyway, where were you going with this? Oh, just like the sort of... 
character ticks they have and like the repetitions that I've seen in the show. I also, I mean, I don't really like the show that much. I have a lot of friends who, who do, because um, what they love like Adventure Time and Steven Universe. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, and as you know, I very much love Adventure Time. Right. <clears throat> but I think Rick and Morty, at least for me, it seems like Family Guy and Futurama kind of mixed together. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like Family Guy at all. But anyways, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, do you think the people who make Adventure Time think of it as work? I'm assuming the animators, because they have to do so much, do. Mm-hmm. But do you think the writers do? No, I don't think so. Because their characters are so funny. And it seems to be more voice driven, whereas like they have all the guest speakers or guest voice mm-hmm. actors come on, you know, like I know Donald Glover's been on the show. Yeah. Um, Do you think the kid who voices Finn is like, God, go work. I hate my job. No, I think he loves it. I think he does, too. And I think that's what makes it good, too. Like, you never get a sense that Finn is deep down thinking. Why did I agree to do this when I was 11? I'm stuck in this. And the songs that they've done, at least in like the earlier seasons, I haven't watched for a long time, are, are so good. Like I love the Ice King's backstory. I don't know. It just, especially when he starts singing the cheer song. Oh, it makes my heart hurt thinking about it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to play a new game today, Would You Rather, um, as opposed to Hot or Not. Uh, It's a game that we invented. Don't try to tell us you've ever played this, blah, blah, blah. This is our invention. We did it. Okay, so I have one for you. Are you ready? I was born ready. Would you rather work at Bath & Body Works? Or Bed Bath and Beyond. Bed Bath and Beyond. Why? Um, I don't really like how most of the Bath and Body Works stuff smells. I sometimes they just make me sneeze a bunch, mm-hmm. and also it's kind of overwhelming. And it's are always like these big, brassy, overly feminine like smells. You know, overly feminine is the wrong word, but like a perfume company's idea of what is feminine. Mm-hmm. So it's always like vanilla, watermelon. Cucumber melon. I kind of like cucumber melon because it's doesn't really smell like anything. They've kind of got like a lock on cucumber melon. Like that's their like trademark scent, I feel like. Maybe I'm wrong. Felt, but that's like... I think I feel like more people use like vanilla sugar. Mm-hmm. which I hate or like lavender lilac or whatever it is but cucumber member, melon is the one where I'm like yeah I get it I get it for Christmas I'm gonna send you like a, a handbag or like one of those wicker baskets full of cucumber melon like lotions 
That made me really mad, actually. <laughs> it's going to have like a $15 Pier 1 gift card. Three bottles <laughs> of cucumber, melon, hand lotion, and like a Dove for Men body soap for John. <laughs> <laughs> You're an incredible gift giver, and you should let someone hire you as their personal assistant so you can give gifts like that all the time. <laughs> like a travel agent, but instead I just do curated wicker gift baskets. I feel like that's an incredible side hustle, and you shouldn't laugh at it. You should go write it down. Okay. Thank you. All right, I'm going to ask you a question, and I asked you it before, but you did not answer. Okay. Would you rather let the Smiths kill you with a 10-ton truck or let Morrissey read your diary? I would rather let the Smiths kill me with a a 10-ton truck. I, I would, well, hmm. Yeah, I would let anyone else read my diary before Morrissey. <laughs> I mean, I've had like, what, Zanga, Live Journal, all those things. Uh, so I, clearly I have no problem sharing my feelings on the internet. But, mm-hmm. but I would have like Morrissey blocked. Yeah, I don't want anything actually to do with Morrissey. Yeah, that's how I feel. Morrissey seems like the friend, and I hope that you can hear the quotation marks around friend. But they call you at like 3.30 in the morning, and you're like, oh, somebody died. But it's just them, and like someone said something sort of rude to them at the bar, and he's so upset. And you're just like, shut up. And you can't tell him anything because he'll write it in one of his songs. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it wasn't exactly like that. But Morrissey would just be like, I don't care. Yeah, I would rather let him kill me than to share my feelings with the world. Yeah. Through his eyes. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key point would you rather let len steal your sunshine or let the new radicals get what you give (laughs) i'd rather let len steal my sunshine because genuinely i have no idea what my sunshine is like they mean my happiness right or do they mean like my soul or you know what I mean? I guess if a member from Len would like to send us an email and explain what sunshine is so I can understand the question, I'd be really appreciative. But seeing as we have like 11 listeners and they're all just people we really like, which is the best way to be in a podcast. True. I I guess one of you guys could pretend to be a member of Len and set up a fake like gmail account and start catfishing me actually please do that thank you well i think we're, um, we're gonna set up a tiny letter right oh yeah so people and will be able like, to sort of get in communication with us perhaps a little bit yeah easily mm-hmm and hopefully by the time this episode airs, we'll have it up and going and you can go to fearnolit.com 
go to the podcast area and sign up. Oh, that feels like work too. So I'm going to make you do it. Fuck. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it may not be up by them uh, just because I don't know what my internet will be like. Well, I'm hoping that the tiny letter by the time we get to this episode will just be pictures of almonds. True. (laughs) It's just going to (laughs) be... pictures of me on the almond farm but like you're not gonna see the almond farm it's just gonna be like pictures of me and i'll just tell you so. that i'm on the almond farm actually no that sounds like my nightmare i hate pictures of myself so you know the almond farm might change you it's true all right one last would you rather okay would you rather let beyonce Destroy your car with a baseball bat or drive it into a flood? First, I would just like to preface this is that I would let Beyonce do whatever she wants with my car. I mean, yeah, because it's proof that she actually knows who you are and that you exist. Well, I mean, or it could just be like randomly on the street in New York and she's just like, I'm going to fuck this car up. And I'd be like, that's my car. But like, hey, guys, look, Beyonce fucked up my car. And then I get like 13 likes on Instagram as opposed to nine. You should say, hey guys, look, Beyonce fucked up my car is the title of your first poetry collection. (laughs) I'll think about it. Um, Hey, I'm giving you diamonds. You could be a little more happy. I am happy. It's just uh, I'm too happy to wear. You're not Duolingo happy. You know, that's true. But happiness expressed in other languages for me is easier than happiness expressed through um, the sheer immense power that Beyonce has. Whereas, you know, yeah. Um, I think I would rather let Beyonce destroy my car with a baseball bat for her safety. Um, I don't want her to drown with my car in driving it into a flood that's true she's an icon and i think people would really judge you even though it's not your fault if beyonce died in your car right like i would be punished more by losing her in the flood than by her destroying my car hands down so like i would rather take on that punishment and like be a martyr of that (laughs) losing my car than the world losing my car <laughs> and Beyonce. <laughs> like I'll take one for the team. And I really like my car. car too. So like that's You have a nice car. Yeah. So uh, it would be a big sacrifice. Yeah. I mean I I since I've been in Ireland, I I wake up you know, often being like, damn, I wish I had my car. But but I don't. You got anything else to talk to me about? Um, well, we, we have one more thing that I think we should talk about that's on the, on our, our notes here. Um, shoot. What, well, you, you, you asked this question, um, but what does Rihanna mean when she says 
work, 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 work. I, wow, what do I think? <laughs> she could be just vocalizing everything in her head. So it's just, she's so busy. Work, 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 work. It could be she's looking at Drake the way I look at Drake, and she's like, oh, your work, 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 work. He might lay the pipe well, but... Maybe it's both, depending on how she's feeling each day. Yeah. Maybe work is anything you need it to be or want it to be. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Work by Calvin Klein. <laughs> I uh, so real quickly. What? I that's like your third the... real quickly to me. <laughs> that's just that's my only way to get in my stupid thoughts is to just throw them at you really quickly. I um I pulled up the song meanings page for Rihanna work. Do it. And it says the highest rated comment on here says this song sucks. Sucks, 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 sucks. This song sucks, 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 sucks. I can't believe how sucks, 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 sucks. Gonna throw up, sucks, 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 sucks. And that's the highest rated comment. You know that song, Brackley by Dram? No. Um, I'm gonna play a little bit for you. It's been stuck in my head on and off for months. Oh, I just tried to go to utub.com. It doesn't exist, so we should buy it. This podcast brought to you by YouTube. YouTube.com. Middle of the party, get off me. Yeah. In the cut, I'm rolling up my broccoli. Yeah, yeah I know your baby mama fond of me. Okay. So there's a rap genius for broccoli. Mm-hmm. And Dram himself has gone through it and like explained everything. And it's so funny because at one point he talks about like just wanted to play Sega and playing the 7-Up game on Sega. And there's even, like, a part of the song where he talks about, like, getting really into eating, like, bagels with locks. And he talks about how much he likes, like, Einstein bagels. It's incredible. But I wish Rihanna had gone through and did a rap genius in the same way for work. I would appreciate that. What if we find out that actually she feels like she's saying work with an O and E and a U at the beginning. And all of those are different things to her. Oh. Maybe even with an I. Work with an I. Or work with a Y. There's so many possibilities in that song. Mm-hmm. Maybe she knows that. And that's why she doesn't do it. Because she's like, this song is for all the different kinds of work there are out there. Yeah. How- you know, this podcast, I think it's work with a Y. It's funky. But it's funky with an E on the end. Two E's. Work with a Y and funky with two E's. All right. This was your new best friend. I'm Megan. That was Paul. And this was work with a Y. Yo, no.